Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investor Dad podcast. Got a really, really cool guest today. His name is Chris Niccolo. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm, I'm happy to have you here. Um, I've told you this, you know, when we chatted before that, dude, like I, I tried to contact you like two years ago, but you're never on social media no. and uh, you never, you like, you never return my calls. Yeah, I uh, guess that's, yeah, I never saw your calls, but yeah. <laughs> but once I did, I was very quick to respond. Yes. Yes. And I, I give you credit for that. Um, yeah, I, I, I found Chris um, through YouTube. Video. I don't even know how I found it. But I watched the YouTube video and I was like just mesmerized by this because I'm always I'm always into creative strategies. And I saw that I'm like, how is no one talking about this? So I'm like, I got to get this guy in the podcast. This is right when I started the podcast two years ago. And uh, and yeah, so this is long overdue, but I'm super excited that we're able to uh, to do this um, before I kind of get into the, you know, why it was I reached out to you and what I was so mesmerized by. Do you want to maybe uh, do a quick little introduction of yourself and who you are and 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 what you do? Sure, sure. Well. First of all, clearly I'm fashionably late to the podcast a few years in. This is how we raise anticipation. So yes. um, now my uh, my core business is the mortgage business. Um, I, I promise you I didn't grow up thinking I would be a mortgage expert, but I've become one uh, through trial and error and uh, fear and all those things. But yeah, I, you know, 10, 12 years ago or 21 now, so 2007, I started in the business and um, I I created a system called The Method. That's the video that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And The Method is really just, uh, you know, when I first got my uh, first got a mortgage, it just terrified me because I looked at the amortization schedule and saw how much money it was going to cost me uh, if I took 25 or 30 years to pay it off. And I was just like not going to have any of that. And I didn't know any more than the average guy does. Like I didn't have any like business training formally, or I didn't go to school for finance or any of that. But I was just like, this is, you know, I'm in early thirties. If I let this thing go 30 years, I'm going to buy one house and pay for two. That's really what it came down to. And so I just went looking for strategies and I couldn't find any, there weren't any real strategies out there, but there were bits and pieces, little things that I found uh, that might help me pay it off faster. And I put them together created a system which I think still is the most efficient way that you can pay your mortgage off. It doesn't matter how much money you have, whatever you're capable of is what you're capable of. But the method, uh, it's a 23 minute video, recorded it, put it out on YouTube and it was, um, it went wild. So uh, you people- got, You got a little famous there. You, uh, you experienced the limelight a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. reward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, trust me, still the biggest, the biggest reward was that I paid the mortgage off fast. Well, there you go. But, uh, but yeah, it, uh, you know, went, it, it went, uh, I don't know if it, you'd say it went viral, but it, it caught a lot of tension. And then in 2016, um, you know, I was nominated for and won a financial literacy award um, from the Mortgage Professionals of Canada. So it was obviously a big deal at that point, because it, it, it gave a lot of credibility to what I was doing. And, uh, you know, by that time, there's a following of people. I had at that point gotten a mortgage license and I was now part of getting a mortgage license was because people were asking me to teach this to them. I wasn't licensed to do that. Mm -hmm. So I had to do that from a compliance perspective. But then, you know, it kind of took up on a life, life of its own where I started, you know, helping people find the right mortgage to attach to the system, uh, help them to understand the system. You know, uh, we put the video out because... You may have to watch it seven times, but 
you know, you, you've been trained to do it one way and then all of a sudden somebody comes and shows you a different way and it's not, it doesn't take hold right away. So you might have to watch it a few times, but uh, a lot of those people who watched it would call afterwards and, and ask, uh, you know, ask questions and could I help them arrange the mortgage? So I got a broker's license uh, and then eventually got a mortgage brokerage license. And now I hold a mortgage administrator's license. And the reason for that is because when you start saving people money, you know, the only one thing they like more than saving money is making money. And so they started asking, is there a way that you could help me with my investments? And uh, at that time, obviously, the answer was no, I didn't have any experience. But we started going down the, the rabbit hole of private mortgages because I learned so much about mortgages. I knew the instruments so well. Um, and it seemed to check all the boxes of the of an ideal investment, right? You have collateral to secure every dollar you invest. You're making a, a pretty good return. It's hard to lose, like really hard to lose money. Um and there weren't any fees attached to it. So if you're, you know, if you're the typical person who's used to giving money, say to a financial advisor, and they invested in a bunch of mutual funds or whatnot, and you lose two or three percent every year just on fees, you don't have to do that in private mortgages. So you can make, you know, easily eight to ten percent, and uh, and do it without losing any sleep, without it being a second job, all of those things. So it kind of checked all the boxes. So we we went down that hole, and next thing you know, um, fast forward to today. Uh, we're, you know, a few hundred investors. Uh, we manage um, many millions of dollars worth of private residential mortgages in Ontario. And uh, but our investor base is all over Canada. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it just keeps growing a little bit uh, at a time every year. And, you know, it's probably the most boring investment there is. <laughs> I tell people that literally because it just does it just does the same thing over and over again. And we don't hit home runs for people. No one's making 20% one year and then, you know, 5% the next. It's 8 to 10% every year, get a payment every month. Uh, it's like being a landlord only without the headaches of, you know, plumbing problems and electrical issues and, and whatnot. So it's turned into a, a really great uh, business. But really the big focus for me still is, and I think always will be the education side. I really enjoy teaching what I've learned uh, because there's a couple of really great nuggets in there that can help people not only pay their own debts off faster and, and their biggest debt being the mortgage, but also, you know, invest on their own, like have control, feel safe, you know, and make a good return. That's going to get them somewhere. So that's, that's the story. That's amazing, man. And, it, and it's obviously, you know, we talked about it off air. It's obviously um, enabled you to be able to, uh, live the lifestyle that you want to live because you were in Ontario originally, but now you've moved to Dominican Republic. Yeah. So uh, a few years ago, actually, uh, you know, I've always, way back it up in my twenties, I worked on a cruise ship and okay. I really enjoyed that experience. And uh, you know, you'd go from Island to Island in the Caribbean and you'd see the lifestyle there. And I was, just, I was just drawn to it. So it was always one of my dreams to live in the Caribbean because 24 7 365 days a year it's nice weather uh i love to golf that's a big deal for me and um and so you know but like everybody else you kind of dream about it but it's a total leap of faith if you're going to try to do it um but a few years ago i suffered a heart attack and my heart attack was caused by a blood clot it was just very freak it just i got a blood clot that lodged itself in a in an artery and uh, i was playing baseball at the time next thing you know I'm not playing baseball anymore and I'm uh, fighting for my life, you know, and 
Um, you know, the, the clot blocked the artery uh, to almost 90%. And, you know, I was kind of on the clock. I didn't know it, but I was on the clock. I managed to get to a hospital. And uh, funny thing about that is I talked myself out of going to the hospital twice. You know, on the way, I was like, I ah, can't be that bad. I'll just go home. I didn't have like chest pains. I had ache, like a deep, deep ache in my shoulders um, and up into my neck. And so I, I thought it was just like muscle, like muscle related. I thought maybe I was being a bit of a wimp to go to the hospital for it. But something in me said, yeah, it's something, you know, I was 44 years old at the time. I was like, I haven't felt this thing before. So I should have felt it sometime in my life. I've experienced every kind of pain. So I went to the hospital and next thing you know, they tell me I'm having a heart attack. So uh, I had a stent put in and uh, you know what it does, right? Is it, it just changes your perspective. You know, so I have a yeah. nine-year-old daughter. She was seven at the time. Uh, you know, things like that. And you just say, well, what am I, what am I waiting for? Mm -hmm. uh, the business had been, been very good to me and I'm able to run it from anywhere, uh, which is really great. I have great staff uh, in, in Canada and, and I needed to change my lifestyle. I needed to be in a, a more relaxed uh, lifestyle. And so my, uh, my family had been coming down to Dominican uh, periodically uh, for uh, little trips uh, because my wife at the time, now separated, but my wife at the time uh, was volunteering. She sat on the board for a charity down here uh, called the Dogs and Cats of Dominican Republic. They do amazing work. They basically rescue animals and, and, uh, and, uh, and bring them back to Canada and foster them out to Canadian households that are looking for animals. There's a, a, an overpopulation here. So We've been coming down here, so we got we were kind of familiar with the north coast of the Dominican Republic, and I really liked it here. We just said, like, what are we waiting for? Let's see if you know. Let's see if we can get you know Caitlin, my daughter, into school there. And we found an international school which she now attends and loves. And um, you know what I learned about coming down here was all the concerns I had weren't really concerns. You know, like mm -hmm. before I came, they were concerns. Now, you know, like I have a doctor here and dentist here and you know cardiologist here yeah and get all my medication here and all the things that you would worry about as a canadian moving to you know what people would say is a third world country um you know it's not it's not so uh, so much to be worried about so i live down here and uh, i do come back to canada on a fairly regular basis although covid uh stunted that for a while i couldn't you couldn't get back to Canada, but that's all changing now. So, yeah. so yeah, live down here and have a very good balance uh, in life and business. And a lot of that is because of the work I did in, uh, in understanding money. That's pretty amazing, man. And, and yeah, the, the, uh, the uncertainty um, of, you know, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? I mean, that's people just deal with that on a day-to-day -day basis, but moving from country to another country you don't know all that much about. I mean, good on you for, for taking the leap of faith, but um, it, yeah. it, it's, I mean, it's, it's not like there it's hitches, right? Like you run into things like things happen that you go, Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. But, but you deal with them, you know, yeah. it's not, it's not the end of the world. Uh, you know, you make some mistakes, some things you get right, right off the bat, like buying a car, you know, something as simple as buying a car. First car I bought, not a good car, you know, <laughs> but I'm I not, learned a lot. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. But I learned a lot and I bought a better second car. <laughs> I ruined your joke. I apologize. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. I was going to say that's a terrific segue into like, you know, the fears and uncertainties of investing. 
you know, as an example, a lot of people, they look into investing and they're like, oh, what if this, what if this, what if this, what if they don't make the payments? What if the rent doesn't come in? Let's talk about like, you know, private mortgages for an example, because that's, you know, that's what you offer, um, you know, yep. helping investors invest into private mortgages. Um, actually, do you mind kind of touching on that a little bit first for anyone who doesn't really know what that is? Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, private mortgages, lending is the oldest form of investing. I mean, it's been around forever, right? You yeah. go back, back, back in the day before they, before we had organized society, there was still lending and bartering and all that. And the, you know, the fundamental uh, basics of it is this, if I said to you, you know, I'm a perfect stranger. And I said to you, Hey, listen, uh, can I borrow $1,400 today? You, mm -hmm. you know, you would be right to kind of say to me, like, you, you gotta be crazy, right? Like, yeah. I don't know you, you'd have a million questions if you're even willing to entertain questions. But if I said to you, well, listen, uh, I have an ounce of pure gold, which today is worth somewhere in the neighborhood of $1,750. $1,400 is 80% of that, you know? You can hold the gold. I'll pay you 10% on the 1400. So I'll pay you back $1,540. Give me a month to get you back the money and I'll pay you 10% interest. And if I don't come back, you keep the gold. Like what that does, right? Is it, you might agree. Like you go from laughing at me because I'm a stranger asking yeah. you for money to you're, you'd be kind of foolish not to take the deal given that really the gold shifts the risk from you to me, right? It's my gold and the gold is worth more than I'm going to owe you in a month. So, yeah. you know, including interest. So really when you have the right collateral, the point is when you have the right collateral, the risk doesn't disappear. It just gets shifted from the investor to the borrower. And that's what we try to do with real estate. Real estate has a lot of the same characteristics as gold, right? It's, we can agree on the value, yeah. in a range. So you and I can look at the same property, we can get an appraiser to come in and we can, we can generally agree on the range of what that property is worth mm -hmm. at any point in time. And that's it, easy to sell, right? That Those are the two main characteristics of gold that make it valuable as collateral is I can sell gold anywhere. I can go to the pawn shop. I can sell it to a friend. I can sell it anywhere. And at the same time, we can agree on what it's likely to be worth at any point in time. And real estate is the same. So now I want to say, not all real estate is created equal. So we deal in residential real estate because it's uncomplicated and simple. When you get into commercial real estate, construction projects, development projects, this is where things get a little bit more complex. We stay away from that. We just like house, built house, finished. We know what it's worth, land against it. And most people, most the average person understands because most people have a mortgage. They're in the opposite seat. Right. So they're borrowing from the bank. They're giving a mortgage to the bank. So they understand the mechanism. Well, for us, you know, we're lending to people um, who have a set of circumstances that prevent them temporarily from getting the money they need from the bank. Um, you know, and our bank guidelines are very, very tight right now. So there's this we believe anyways, there's this nice sort of ring of people that fall just outside the bank's guidelines that's, that still have great collateral. Their houses are are great collateral and and we lend them up to 80% of the value of their house for one year at a time. Uh, we charge them interest only. Uh, they pay every month. And, um, and, and you know, we have a, a scoring system that determines which of the applications we see are high quality and which ones we should probably stay away from, you know, and all of that. So we've built this, you know, very nice sort of all-inclusive service package 
uh, for the Canadian real estate investor who wants to participate in private mortgages, because there are, are there are a lot of little things to do to do it right. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't have the time to do all those things. They're busy and so on. But, you know, it's a much better vehicle, in my opinion, than, you know, handing your money to a bank or a financial advisor and getting, you know, three or four percent a year or five percent. You know, our, our average portfolio is paying eight. Right. Mm. So and you got a, a really great level of security and you know, it's not without its challenges. There's always a, the odd one that that's a, a challenge. But, you know, the collateral really makes the challenge uh, more of the borrower's problem than the investor's problem. Our, our issue is usually just time, just waiting for the process to take its course. Kind of like if you're a landlord and you have to evict somebody, you yeah. have to follow a process, a legal process to respect their rights. And so I might take you longer than you'd like it to take, but you don't worry so much that you're not going to be able to get this person out of your place. It's just a matter of how long it's going to take. For sure. Right? For sure. Um, and yeah. so just so a lot of newer investors who listen to the podcast, they don't really understand like how it all works and what the collateral really means. So what you're saying is, is that they're putting in 20% of a down payment. They're bringing in 20% of the value of the property and the other 80% is what you're loaning. And in the event that something is to happen, you're able to liquidate that property and that you have that full value. You're able to get your money back based on the equity that's left in the property. Is that correct? Yeah. On a, on a very basic fundamental level, if we, if somebody had a property worth a million dollars for round numbers, we would lend them up to 800,000 against it. Okay. So now they may have a first mortgage in place for 500,000 from a bank. We may lend them an additional 300. The total of all the encumbrances, including ours, would never exceed 80% of today's value of that property. Now, when you lend somebody that money, they're responsible to do a number of things, keep their property taxes up to date, keep the home insurance on the property up to date, make the payments every month. If they, if they, if they violate any one of those, it becomes an event of default, right? So mm -hmm. when somebody defaults on their loan, you know, treat them like human beings. You try to tell them, hey, first let them know, hey, you broke the rule. You know, you got to fix it. They have a period of time to fix it and so on. If they don't take any steps to remedy the default, right, in a reasonable period of time, then there's a process called legal uh, power sale that's in place mm -hmm. for us to pursue possession of the property so that we could then sell it so we could get our money back. OK, so, yeah, I mean, it rarely, rarely happens. We've been doing this over 10 years. It's happened once. Yeah. So for us, it rarely happens. Now, if you're sloppy, it could happen more. Right. I think we're very good at what we do. We're very, very uh, tactical and, you know, step by step, letter of the law. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you follow the process, like a good landlord will tell you, they're not afraid of eviction because they understand the process. They know what steps to take. And more importantly, they know what not to do. Yeah. Right. So. So for us, we're very well versed in the process. We rehearse it a lot. We have great legal team, you know, so we try to avoid that at all costs. And most times, most times when somebody misses a payment or something like that, within a week, two weeks, you know, they, they fix it because, listen, nobody wants to lose their house. And we're not in the business of taking homes either. We've repossessed one home in over 10 years. So, you know, you're, you're not, that's not what you're trying to do. You're trying to you're trying to create a win-win, right? The investor gets a nice return, reasonable return, not crazy, eight, nine percent. But the the borrower gets a bridge, yeah. right? So from a time when things were uh, chaotic for them, 
you know, maybe they're going through a divorce and together the couple qualifies at the bank, but separately they don't. Right. Or they're self-employed. They just started a business and, you know, they're taking advantage of tax write-offs and whatnot. So they're not declaring as much income to the bank, uh, to, uh, to the government. And therefore they don't qualify on paper for what they want to borrow, even though they could afford the payments. Mm -hmm. You know, these types of things Or they had a temporary credit issue you know, and, and now the credit prevents them from getting the mortgage for a year. So we provide that bridge where they pay a higher rate, but, you know, it allows them the time to rehabilitate the circumstances and then they go back to the bank. That's the ideal situation. The only other way out of a private mortgage is to sell the house. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, we give money to somebody, both sides are very clear. I'm going to try to use this as a way to avoid selling my house. I'm going to see if I can turn things around, right? And stem the tide for a year, sometimes two years. But if it doesn't work, you know, we kind of agree up, up front. If it doesn't work, then the easy way to fix it is to sell the property. You take your equity, pay us back our money, and then you go on and start again. Yeah. And so when you think about it that way, um, you know, it demystifies the whole idea that we're some back alley thugs lending uh, money to people. It's not it. It's really peer-to-peer lending that allows people to keep their homes, right? They would choice. Yeah, if you can't qualify at the bank and there's no private lender, you have no choice, you gotta sell the house. Yeah. So we try to help people stay in their house. The key is short term, right? We're not doing five and 10 year loans. Like if somebody can't change their circumstances in a year or two, they should sell the house. Yeah. Because sure. it gets too costly and you're eating up all the equity in the house. I mean, you'd rather have that person have the money in their jeans, no house, but have yeah. the money in their jeans and be able to, you know, start again. So for sure. And, and naturally we gravitate towards the, the, what if, what if, what if they don't, what if they don't, what if, to be honest, I mean, private lending has always, in my opinion, been my end goal as well. The last, I, I like, I like private lending or private mortgages because of the fact that again, you have collateral, it's very low, low risk with a decent return, as opposed to trying to chase a better return, but you're dealing with, flips, you know, and then you like you're relying on the market and the after repaired value and you're at the mercy of that or uh, rental houses. Great, great stepping stones, in my opinion. But, you know, you have a lot of variables uh, that are outside of your control, <laughs> tenants and and property taxes and interest rates and rent amounts in the, the market. Right. So you have a lot of different variables. That, yeah, it is a great investment, but I've always gravitated towards private lending and private mortgages. It was my long term. Um, investment strategy, but obviously that that comes with, you know, needing um, to have a lot of funds for that. You need to be able to have the funds, right? So, um, as an investor who does have funds, who is interested in something like this, something less hands-on, lower risk, like, do they just reach out to you and you you have clients and you just facilitate it? Like, how does that work? What what services do you offer? <clears throat> so, so yeah, we we have a a full service mortgage administration. Uh, company called Magnetic Capital Group. And essentially, we, we operate like a private mortgage factory. On one side of the business, you know, we're working with uh, about 20,000 uh, brokers, mortgage professionals, licensed professionals in Ontario, we market to. And when they run into trouble with their clients getting approved at a bank, they'll typically send their applications to us. Now, for every 10 applications that come in, we approve 2.4. So 24%, 76% get declined with us as well. 
The reality is 76% in our opinion should sell their house, right? Like it's too far gone. The situation is not a good one for them. There's no reliable exit strategy and they should sell the house. The 2.4 that we approve are ones we believe still we can uh, add value, right? We can still help these people get back into a better situation and remain in the property. And uh, so on the other side of the business is the investors. And so as investors on board with us uh, and become approved with the brokerage, they go into essentially a place in order. So let's say, you know, you decided you wanted to invest the minimum, which is 50,000. Uh, and that could be RSPs, it could be TFSA, it could be cash, it could even be money from a line of credit. Um, so you decide you want to place an order for 50,000. That order goes into a, a virtual lineup. Now you don't give us any money, you don't move any money, you just place an order. And so we, we operate in a syndication model. And, and how that works is essentially, let's say we approve uh, a loan for $100,000 and you're first in line and you've got an order for 50000 If you were doing this yourself and you, you saw that same loan for 100000 you wouldn't be able to fund it because right? you only have 50000 But in our model, we could put your 50000 in and then the next person's order in line, let's say, is for 75000 We would take 50 of their money, 50 of yours, and out goes the $100,000 loan. The next loan that came, the 25 remaining from order number two, plus the next person in line, we pair them together and out it goes. It, it really helps solve two problems. The first one is if the loan is for 100 and you only have 50, you can't fund it. The other one is if you have 60 and the loan comes for 50 and you lend out 50, now you're left with 10, you got a problem, right? You can't lend the other 10 or you can't find a place to lend the other 10. So that's how the model works. Um, and um, and it's all residential properties. All the properties for us are in Ontario. That's where we're licensed. But the investors are from uh, all over the country. So if you were to, uh, to, to get started with us, there's a process we take you through where we try to educate you first, right? So you might watch a video online you then have a free consultation with me. So I'll, I will talk to every investor before they come in. And then uh, and then we'll show you all of our documentation and walk you through all of that. And uh, there's a process. It takes maybe a week or so to, to get familiar with what we're doing because we don't look at ourselves as advisors. So we're not just taking your money and you're blind to what's happening. We want to... We really want you to be educated and know exactly what we're doing. So here's everything we do. But then you can go on with your life and we'll do the work for you. So we look at ourselves as service providers and an educating firm, as opposed to an advisory um, uh, firm. Now, granted, we are giving mortgage advice, right? We are giving licensed uh, professional advice, but I, I just want to kind of make sure people understand, you know, the services we provide, you could do it all yourself. You, you could do private lending yourself. You don't need us, but the, there's some advantage in having an administrator work for you because um, we can do all the work for you. It can be a truly passive investment experience uh, if you want it to be by working uh, with us. So we had a lot of, um, as you said, you know, you need capital, right? So you can imagine our typical client is over 40, right? They've made some money. A lot of them are real estate investors already who have made some money and are maybe tired a little bit of managing the properties. And so they want to liquidate some of them and take the capital that they have, the equity and lend it instead. Um, 
And so we, we have a, a, an older clientele for sure. A lot of snowbirds, a lot of high ranking executives who uh, are so busy with their jobs, but need their, the money they're earning to make money for them right. while they're still in their money making years. And then of course you have your uh, retirees who can use private lending to create a self-made pension that'll survive them until, until they're gone and, and leave something to pass on to the next generation. So it can be a real fit, a uh, real great fit for any one of those uh, types of uh, types of people. That's amazing. That's pretty cool. And I'm, I'm again, it must be really gratifying for you to be able to to help investors, help families and to be able to facilitate that, you know, and, and creating a business where you're able to help people as opposed to just selling stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. The only downside is it's probably the most boring investment that any of them ever have. It, there's no excitement to it at all. It's really, I tell people this all the time, you know, it is a boring investment, but it may be the most predictable, uh, most consistent uh, investment that that you could have. And you, you'll be able to, you'll feel you could count on it. Um, and so you'll be able to project into the future where you're going to be with it and so on. And not a lot of investments are like that, but that's the power of the collateral, right? Right. The collateral really keeps people honest. Listen, you put a mortgage on someone's house. If you, you have a mortgage, do you have a mortgage? So you understand how powerful it is. One one person you don't play around with is you, you don't miss your mortgage payment, you know, because what's wrong with that? the house over your, the roof over your head, the, the roof over your kid's head. He's, so it's very powerful and uh, it's no different with us. So it, that powerful collateral creates a real sense of predictability, certainty. Um, listen, there's risk involved. There's no question. Can you lose money? Sure, you can. I, I would say it's very difficult to, though. You know, if you do things right, very difficult to lose. That's amazing, man. Uh, you know, I, I want to want to take a, a one eighty or a ninety. One eighty or ninety? How's, I don't know. I'm going to go this direction. Ninety. Okay, let's go left. <laughs> because um, I, I really do want to talk about uh, how how it was I stumbled upon you. Um, you know, through some random YouTube video. Again, I have no idea how I. YouTube's funny though. You watch something and then they recommend things and then suddenly you go down a rabbit hole. And yeah. apparently I went down a rabbit hole and found Chris Dickel. Uh, <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and like, how did that all tie in? How, how did you developing the method tie into your business? Did it or was it completely separate or? Yeah, it's totally like it. So the method, so as I said at the beginning, like, I just looked at what a mortgage was going to do to me financially and it terrified me. So I started looking for answers. And as I pieced things together, you know, it ended up becoming a system. Once I realized I had something that was, uh, you know, valid and reliable, uh, you know, I started teaching it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember at first uh, I knocked on the doors of some executives at Indigo uh, bookstores, yeah. chapters and in Indigo. And I, I had a, got a meeting with a bunch of executives and said, Hey, I have this great idea. I, I can teach people how to pay their mortgage off faster. I'd like to do it like on like a weekday night um, in your stores. What do you think? And they're like, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time I didn't understand why, but now I do like, it's all liability, what they have, you know, what they sponsor or what they allow to go in there. So I said, well, listen, wait a minute. Maybe you don't, don't understand the power of what I teach. Why don't, you let me come back here and teach you like any of you have mortgages. And of course, all of them did all the, the people, the decision makers all had mortgages. I said, can I teach it to you? And then, and then you decide if you let me in and they said, okay. So I came back and I taught, taught the, the, the method and they let me in the stores. And oh, really? 
Yeah. So I started doing these Wednesday night talks. Now, listen, they didn't give me any support at all. I just walked in there and basically had, you know, a little section where I could set up some chairs and I could do uh, talks. And guess what happened? You know, I started doing the talks, but nobody was sitting down to listen. Like there's, <laughs> So I was like, I got to do something here to make use of this time. So I started buying $5 gift cards at the Starbucks that was inside the store. Right. And so I would literally bribe people with a free coffee to sit down and listen to this 25 minute presentation. Right. And it snowballed from there. Like people started really? sitting down and then they were watching and, and they liked it. Um, so I got it, started getting invited to go and speak at different events, real estate investment clubs specifically really liked it. Um, and, uh, and then I spoke at a mortgage brokers convention in Vancouver and that's where the video that's online. I mean, there's a whole bunch of them, by the way, like yeah. a lot of people videotaped me doing the presentation in like a, a hotel or, or whatnot, but there's one professional rendition of it. And that was done in Vancouver for a room full of mortgage brokers. And that's the video that really kind of uh, sort of set sail on the internet and really started catching. Um, so what happened from there was, you know, once I won the financial literacy award and, and that kind of thing, you know, you learn so much about the mortgage instruments right? That you start to see it from different angles. You start to see what, you know, I looked at it not only from the borrowing side, but started looking at it from the lending side, right? Because you get a real good, from the method, you realize the bank has this figured out, you know, yeah. like for the 95% of, of people who've never seen the method, maybe more, 99% of people never seen the method, the bank is taking advantage of a lot of people, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and they're doing it with your cooperation. So when I looked at this, I said, well, now, now I understand why the bank's number one, uh, you know, revenue source is lending. Yeah. And so you start to have a paradigm shift. So, well, wait, how can I get on that side of things? Instead of doing what the bank is telling me to do, why don't I do what the bank does? Right. And that sort of led to the idea of, of private mortgages and uh, could, could I be in the lending side of this instead of the, uh, the boring side? And then you start going down that path and you realize, wait a minute, this thing is, this thing's beautiful. I mean, fixed returns, right? So first and foremost, fixed returns. I mean, how many, how many people that you know have an investment, including flipping homes or any of those things, mutual funds, all of them that pay a fixed return, something you know is going to happen every month. Right. You know what it is? It's rent. Rent is the closest thing right, is, is to paying a fixed return. So it's got fixed return. It's got collateral. So you look at the relationship when you buy a house. So for all, all of your audience who's real estate investing, buying properties, and listen, there's a real place for that, especially for younger people, because you can get into a property for less cash than you could to lend, right? Right. But when you look at the relationship, if you take a mortgage, you know, you put 20% down, the bank has, lends you 80%. The relationship there is you're both owners, they own 80% of the property really. And you own 20% until you gradually pay down the debt and you own more equity. So year in, year out, you're taking more equity of that property from the bank. Well, you look at that relationship and you go, the bank owns 80%, you own 20%, but you have all the responsibility, yeah. right? You got to take care of the property. If there's tenants, you got to collect the payments. You got to manage it. You got to do all that. And you only own 20%. Well, 
if I asked somebody, you know, if you had your choice, so if, if money wasn't the problem, none of those, if you had your choice, which part of the relationship would you rather be? Would you rather be the bank who, who puts in the money and then just sits back and collects a check every month? Or would you rather be the landlord who has to manage the property, deal with the headaches and so on? Listen, the reality is when you're young, you kind of have to take the, the position of the landlord and that's what gets you started. But as you get older and as you get in a position where you could sell off some of those properties, take the equity and lend it, you might think it's more desirable, especially with less energy as you get older, right, to uh, to be in that position. And and that's that was how, you know, this became something I thought, wow, a lot more people need to know about this. And, you know, there's a reason why a lot of people don't. Two reasons, actually. Number one, the people who've been lending for generations, they don't talk about it because it's that good, right? Yeah. Like, they don't talk. And number two, in, in at least in, in Ontario, at least, financial advisors have a different license than the mortgage brokers. So if you're a financial advisor, you can't sell a private mortgage. So why are you mm -hmm. going to talk about it? You can't make money from it. Right. So it's not their fault. It's just you can't hold both licenses. In, in Ontario, you can't have a mortgage license and a financial advisor's oh, license, okay. one or the other. And so I've spoken to a lot of financial advisors, especially early in my career, where I said to them, hey, why don't we team up? Like, you know, you should be offering private mortgages that we can't, right? Like we can't, we're not allowed. So, so you get those, uh, th that's the reality. So, you know, you, from your traditional financial advisor, you might never hear about it. So you meet a guy like me or a mortgage broker who, who understands private lending and you start to see the elements of it, you know, the, the, the fixed returns, the security, no fees, these types of things stacks up pretty good, right? Mm -hmm. Starts a lot of the boxes of, what we call the ideal investment. So that's how I got started in it. And it snowballed from there. And funny enough, when I started, we were, lend we were doing all kinds of lending, like lending all kinds of mortgages. But what I learned, what I've learned, so experience teaches you a lot. What I've learned over 10 years is there's no private mortgage like the residential private mortgage. It's easy to understand. It's There's very, very uh, little complication in it. But when you get into things like commercial deals, first of all, the owners never have the same attachment to a plaza that they have to their house. So the collateral isn't as strong in my opinion, right? right. You put a mortgage on someone's house, it's their house, you know? Right. Different right. than if they get together with three or four guys and they all pitch in and buy a plaza and they put a mortgage on that. Right. Uh, that's one element. Number two, you get into development, you're talking about gambling on an asset that's not yet built. Mm-hmm. So a lot can go wrong between shovels in the ground and a built entity that has a value. A house is built, it's there, you know what it's worth, right? So you got that element as well. And then when we get into construction, uh, again, construction can go sideways. I mean, listen, you could have a terrible winter that delays construction by months and months and throws off all your projections and so on. So there's more complexity in all those types of mortgages. We've learned that. And now uh, all we do are one trick pony, just uh, private residential mortgages in Ontario. And, and you know, uh, we've got got a great track record. We're doing doing really well. That's amazing. That's amazing, man. Yeah. So so going back to, you know, the, the indigo and the chapters, like what was it exactly that what was the, what was the big thing, the, the aha moment that everybody had or at least the employees in those, those chapters? Um, There's like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, you can absolutely do this. Yeah. Well, it's easy. You know, it's uh, it, it's not rocket science and there's no magic to it. It's really just a matter of how you use the money that you have. 
-hmm. And, you know, we're kind of conditioned all our life to think that a mortgage takes 25 years to pay off or 30 years to pay off. And we're conditioned um, to believe that it's crazy to think you could pay your mortgage off in 12 years, Mm -hmm. you know. And not only that, we don't understand, nobody ever teaches you in 20 years of formal education, you know, primary school, middle school, high school, university, nobody ever teaches you how to pay off or how to manage what's going to be for most people, their largest debt. Right. And so we don't have the training. So we don't actually know, you know, when I, when I started, I didn't know that, you know, uh, paying my mortgage off in 12 and a half years instead of 25 would save me 120 or $135,000 in interest. It's a lot of money. You, you do that. You do 12 years. Think about 12 years times 12 months, 144 months. That's almost a thousand dollars tax-free money every month for all of those 12 years that I saved a lot of money. Yeah. I'll admit there were a lot of things that I didn't know up until I watched that video. I E I had no idea how credit card interest was charged. No idea. Right. Yeah. And you know what? I went and I talked to a bunch of people that I know. I talked to my wife, talked to a bunch of other people and they're like, Oh, uh, I just assumed that it was just, no one knows. No one knows how the, how, a mortgage interest is charged, how it actually is charged, the calculation, credit cards, line of credits. And once, like you said, we're, we're not taught that. And so therefore we just kind of follow, you know, what everybody else does and what our parents did. And uh, w- without that knowledge, it's impossible for you to realize these things that, that, that like you're trying to explain right now. Well, it's also, don't forget, you can't blame the bank because it's all there. It's They're all there in your agreement, right? And in your fine print of your, I mean, you get a credit card and you a week after you get the credit card, you get a, a, a piece of mail and it's thick and it's wrapped mm-hmm. up and you open it up and it's your terms and conditions, right? It's your standard charge agreement, all that. Nobody reads it. Nobody reads it. And, but it's in there, right? Like the mechanism for how interest is charged is in there. You know, it's in there how long the grace period is before interest gets charged on a purchase you make if you don't pay it off. You know, some are 15 days, some are 30, some are 45. But if you don't understand these mechanisms, you'll never be strategic about managing them. Right. right? Most people don't understand the difference between simple and compounded interest. It's in the video. I do a whole piece on it. You know, it's a it's a little thing, but it's a big thing over 25 years. Right. It's a big, big deal. You know, they're dripping you. Right. They're dripping money out of everybody. Dollars a month. Ten dollars a month. Yeah. I mean, what do they say? The the best crime you could ever commit would be to take a penny out of every bank account in the world. Yeah. Right. Like nobody would notice. Right. So, you know, that's uh, the bank is very, uh, very skilled, very smart. They do their homework. They spend millions and millions of dollars of, uh, of money st- studying us, right. Mm-hmm. Studying our habits, study. And then they look at the rules and they say, okay, well, okay. The rule is this, how close can we get to this line, right, without going over. And and then they put it into a, a giant agreement in tiny print that nobody will read. Mm-hmm. And now they're in bounds. So as long as you understand that, it's not, don't hate on the bank. The bank is just a business, but get smart, right? Get yeah. smart. Either read all the fine print or watch my video. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you want to do like a, a surface level, like, uh, you know, explanation of what the method and, and I, you know, maybe we can start off with just like, talking about checking accounts, perhaps? 
Yeah. So, I mean, listen, I'll give you sort of an overview. And then, cause what I would really like is if the people who are watching this that are, that have interest in what I'm saying are intrigued, you should mm -hmm. go and watch the video because the video is much more comprehensive and it goes through a case study. So it actually puts numbers to it and brings it to life. But the mechanism is that we're utilizing uh, a mortgage, a line of credit and a credit card in conjunction with each other uh, to, to, to basically uh, leverage the bank's money against itself. And, and how it would work is if, if I said to you, okay, uh, the first calculation is how much money do you bring in every month after tax and how much do you spend? Now, if that is a negative number, the method isn't going to help you any more than anything else, right? So if you're spending more than you're making every month, you're not going to pay your mortgage off any faster. Right. But if you, if there's a Delta, so if you're uh, bringing in 6,000 a month, this is the example in the, in the video and you're spending five, you got a thousand dollars left over. What that means is, if you took the $1,000 every month and you paid it as an extra payment to your mortgage, <clears throat> the most you could do without making more money or spending less each year is a $12,000 annual lump sum payment to their mortgage, mm -hmm. $1,000 a month. We also know this is unrealistic. Okay, so most people um, spend more you know, than they think. Right. So they underestimate what's going out and overestimate what's coming in. Mm -hmm. So we build in to our sort of formula, 25% buffer. So we would take that amount. If you had a thousand left over, we'd knock off $250 and just don't touch that. Cause that's, that's the buffer money. Mm -hmm. So now we're working with 75% of 12,000 a year. That's $9,000. Well, if you took that $9,000 and at the beginning of the year, before you earned it, you could pay it to your mortgage, you would get a lot more savings over the long term just through the time value of money, having been able to pay it before you made it. See, we grew up in this world of save, 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 pay. Mm -hmm. But really what typically happens is we go save, save, something happens. Right. We change our mind, you know, we see a bright, shiny object. And then we don't actually make the lump sum payment. So people go in to negotiate their mortgage and they're all concerned about making sure they can pay an extra 20% a year to their mortgage. And the bank goes, okay, we'll give you that like a negotiable, mm -hmm. but they know, they know most people are never going to use any of that privilege, right? They're just going to make the payment every month. And that's really what happens. So, but what if, what if there was a way that you could pay that $9,000 that you know you're going to earn and you know you're going to have it left over? What if you could pay it beforehand? Would it change your behavior? My guess is it would. And yeah. the evidence says I'm right. So we use a line of credit, a personal line of credit, not a line of credit attached to your house, a personal line of credit, like unsecured. You just go in like a credit card and the bank gives you $10,000 as a limit, and you can use that however you want. You borrow against it, you pay it back. You borrow against it, you pay it back. Let's say you had you could get 10000 mm -hmm. from the bank, and most people with decent credit can. If you can get a mortgage, you could probably get $10,000 unsecured line of credit. Right. So now you take $9,000 today, January 1st, from the line of credit at a rate of like 5 or 6%, which is higher than your mortgage, which makes it illogical makes it not make sense mm -hmm. and i say to you 
Wayne, take the, the 9,000, pay it to the mortgage today. So you do. They say, trust me for one year. If you don't like the results after one year, you never have to trust me again, but do it for one year. And you do, you take the 9,000, you pay it to your mortgage. What we know is that on a mortgage of $220,000 of 5% interest, which is, it's no longer the average because we're living in a very, very low interest rate climate, but in a normal time, 5% is about a, an average mortgage rate. Mm -hmm. We know that a $9,000 payment on day one of a $220,000 mortgage, and let's agree, most mortgages today are higher than 220, right. um, saves you $29,000 of interest for the lifetime of the mortgage. So on a 30-year mortgage, just taking 9,000 from your line of credit and moving it to your mortgage today, day one, will knock off $29,000 of interest lifetime for the mortgage. So you go, holy, where else could I get that kind of return? I basically took a $9,000 borrowed investment from my line of credit, which is the bank's money, and I invested it in my mortgage and it saved me three times that. Okay, but now you have a new problem. Now you gotta deal with the 9,000. Well, if it was at 6%, simple interest, remember the mortgage is compounded interest mm -hmm. twice a year, that's the difference. The line of credit is only a simple interest. If you took that $9,000 and you paid a whole year of interest on it, you're paying $540, right at 6%, nine times, 900 times 6%, $540. Right. So that's your worst case scenario. But we know that every month you make an extra thousand more than you spend. So if I said to you, listen, get your income deposited into your line of credit now, which functions just like a checking account. This is another thing people don't know. The line of credit, personal line of credit, functions just like a checking account. You can go to your bank and say, listen, I just want my employer to put my money into this account instead of my checking account, which gives me no value. And every time they do put the income in there, it counts as a payment. Now, every month, I tell people, take as much of your expenses and put them on your credit card. You're going to get points. Yep. And at the end of the end of the month, you, you take the line of credit and pay off the credit card. So think on day one, you start with a $9,000 balance because you borrowed that money and you paid it to the mortgage. We got a great result there. We saved $29,000 for the lifetime. Now, in month one, $6,000 comes in from your employer. That reduces your line of credit balance down to three. But $5,000 in expenses goes out. So you pay that to the line to the credit card at the end of the month. Now you have a balance of 8,000. Right. Starting month two. Do it and, again. And with the credit card, you're not charged the interest until the end of the month on the- uh, You have the, the right credit card. Yeah, for sure. On the day that, that they actually charge us. So for the 24 days or whatever, or 29 days, you're not actually getting charged interest. You just pay it off right the day before. Yeah, because the credit card gives you a grace period of 30 to 45 days, a right. good one. Right? So so you can carry expenses for 30 days, pay them off at the end of the month with your line of credit and pay no interest on the credit card. Right. So you get the points, you pay no interest, and then you're left with $8,000 owing after month one, after month two, seven, after month three, six, after month four, and so on and so forth. By the end of the year... You've paid the line of credit to zero, and then we just take another 9000 and move it over to the mortgage, and we get another chunk of savings from the mortgage lifetime. That's how the method works. So right. you're taking here, – here's the cool part about it. The mortgage is whose money? 
the banks. Yeah. Line of credit is whose money? The banks. The credit card, the banks. So all we've done is flip things from a system of checking account, savings account, which all that money is yours. Yeah. To leveraging the bank the way they leverage you. Right. Because when you put money in a checking account, you know what the bank does? They take it and they borrow against it. Yeah. So money on deposit at a bank, the bank can leverage in the world banking market mm -hmm. to a multiple. We don't know how many multiples it is. In some cases, up to 10 times. Yeah. So this is why banks want to get your money on deposit because they can borrow against it. The same thing is happening here. If they'll give you a credit card, if they'll give you a line of credit and they'll give you a mortgage, you can leverage all three and utilize their money to offset the interest they want to charge you. Mm. That's what the method does. You're still going to pay some interest. You borrow yeah. the money, but you're not going to pay half as much, right? For sure. If, you, if, you're, if you're efficient, if you do this efficiently. And some people will say to me, well, Chris, what happens if I lose my job and all of a sudden I can't pay my line of credit? I say, well, listen, you know, if you had 220 owing on the mortgage and you didn't do the method, you'd have 220 owing when you lost your job. Yeah. If you pay 9,000 of, uh, of the 220 down, now you have 211 owing on the mortgage and nine owing on the line of credit, you still have 220. There's no difference. Mm -hmm. If you lose your job, you lose your, you know, that shit happens, right? Like you can't, yeah. we're not, we're not fixing that. What we're saying is you get back on your feet as soon as you can and then get back on the, on, on the, there's no damage is what I'm saying. It's if, six and a half dozen. It doesn't make any difference. No damage. The method is just an efficient way to utilize the money you have. It doesn't make you more money. It doesn't spend less for you. It just, it just helps you get to zero faster by canceling interest. Mm -hmm. that you don't need to pay because you've moved your money the right way. You've, you've maneuvered uh, with the money you have in the most efficient manner. That's, that's, that's what the method does. And taking advantage of the different ways that each um, credit or debt uh, element charges the interest, right? Yeah, correct. Another popular question I get from people is, well, won't the bank shut this down when they, when they get a hold, like, like we're doing something like it's like, like we're doing something behind a curtain. The bank won't care. If you pay your mortgage back faster, They'll lend the money to somebody else. Yeah. That's it. I mean, lending never stops. There's no shortage of borrowers, right? Same thing in private mortgage investing. That's why we have a constant flow of investment opportunities for people, even though we only approve 24%. It's because mm -hmm. there's no shortage of borrowers and there never will be, right? We live in a world, a North American world is, is a leveraged uh, society financially. So there will always be... Uh, there'll always be borrowers uh, to lend to. You just have to lend responsibly. If you lend responsibly, it can be a win-win. It can help people get from A to B and at the same time provide uh, an opportunity for you. Similarly, when you're on the borrowing side, your goal should always be to maximize efficiency with how you utilize the money you borrow so that you pay it back as cheaply as possible, quickly mm -hmm. as possible. Uh, you know, another question that I would, I would assume that people ask is it's the first thing that my that I asked and my wife asked when I explained it to her was that, isn't this probably a lot, a lot to maintain? Do you, do you, how do you think about that? You know, that statement, or is it more difficult to, to no. operate your finances in this way, as opposed to a checking and savings account? The only difference. Okay. Your checking account becomes your line of credit. 
Your savings account becomes your mortgage. Credit card is your credit card. It's no different. You're just using a different account. Now, in the beginning, is it going to feel different? Yes, because you've been doing things a certain way your whole life, right? Like, this is what I was saying to you before. Sometimes people call after they watch the video. They'll call me and they'll say, Chris, you know, uh, I, I, can you tell me, like, what else I need to know? I'm like, you just need to go watch the video again because it's new. <laughs> it's new, yeah. right? It's all in there. We didn't hold anything back. It's all in there. It's just new. And so because it's new, yes, there's an adjustment period. You have to train mm -hmm. yourself, right? Month in, month out. I'm, like the actual time it takes inside a month to do what we're doing, it's minutes. I mean, once you get your employer depositing your, your income into your line of credit, that's done. Mm -hmm. Once a month, you're making one transaction, and that's to pay your credit card off using your line of credit. You do that online, right? Go on to your online banking and transfer, yeah. And then once a year, you're making the lump sum payment to the mortgage. That's it. There's nothing That's more. It. There's no more management using, to it. Using your credit card every day as much as you can. All year. Uh, yeah. All month. Credit card, credit card. Now, you can't pay everything on your credit card. So there's going to be the odd expense, like the mortgage payment. That's mm -hmm. going to come right out of your line of credit. You can set it up as a direct payment. Or you can take cash out of your line of credit because you'll have a bank card for it. There's no difference. It's the exact same. Uh, but... Probably 90% of your uh, monthly expenses you can pay by credit card. And once you get used to that, you'll really like A, the points. They'll build yeah. up pretty quick. And B, the convenience. I mean, you just use your credit card. Most places today, any, any of your online shopping, you can use a credit card. Anywhere you go, restaurants, gas, all the all the day-to-days mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, I have a harder time here in Dominican because, you know, it's still – uh, largely a cash society. Mm. So it's a bit of a difference that way, but I no longer have a mortgage. So it's, a, you know, different. Yeah. Well, um, I know you're going to tell people to just go watch the 20 minute video, but I'm going to tell you that I have personally watched the 20 minute video seven times <laughs> and I have my own questions. So what I want to do is I want to get my questions answered before we end today. And then if get people to go watch your video and then when they have probably the same questions that I had, they can come back to here. And I, sure. I, I won't put you on the spot too, too, uh, too, too much, but um, my one question is why, why a personal line of credit and not a HELOC? Because a HELOC is set up uh, to charge interest exactly the way a mortgage does. In fact, it's actually more punitive. Uh, a, yeah. A HELOC charges compounded interest every month, not twice a year. The difference is, okay, the payment that's attached to a HELOC is an interest-only payment. So you can only compound interest if you have interest to compound. And every month, you're required to pay the interest off. Right. So, so that's why line of credit on your house does work, but it's not leverageable. That makes sense then. Um, I'm still learning every day. Um, the most, by the way, the most complicated question I get is that question. Yeah. Yeah. It's a complicated question because it, it, it's hard to understand why it's not leverageable, but you just have to remember that a, a mortgage and a line of credit against your house are essentially the same mm -hmm. vehicle. They're, this, they're the same, right? It, it's just a different payment structure, but it's still attached to your house. We're trying to use a personal line of credit that's not attached to your house to leverage to the house. Right. Right. Oh, so it's, it's a complicated one for sure. Let me give you another complicated question because I can't seem to wrap my head around the mathematics of this one. And I've tried 
and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a creative math guy. Um, interest rates on personal line of credits. I haven't found anything lower than 7% right now. And currently interest rates on mortgages calculated differently are at around two, two and a half percent. So we got a spread right there. And someone would ask, well, why would I take, why would I build up debt on a 7% line of credit to pay off debt on a 2.5% mortgage? And then there's that. But then also, of course, the line of credits, they calculate for the amount of days that you have it, you have it used. So you pull 9,000 and you got your, your paycheck on the second week or 14 days in, then the paycheck on the 30th day. So I can't wrap my head around the math of whether that spread of a seven, paying, putting, taking money out of a 7% interest yeah. rate line of credit onto a mortgage that's 2.5% makes sense. Yeah. So how could it possibly work? Okay. So the answer is it lies in, first of all, the time value of money. So yeah. You're not wrong. The the rates just look like staring in your face. Just like the math can't make sense, mm -hmm. but they, it does because when you leverage money from your personal line of credit to the mortgage, you're wiping out interest for the next 20, 25, 28 years, right? Look at your amortization schedule. Mm -hmm. You know, that dollar was going to earn interest t compounded twice a month for the next 25 years at 2%. Yeah. Now, granted, the results that you will get today in today's environment from implementing the method will be less dramatic than they were when I first started teaching it in 2008. Yeah. But that's only because there's less interest to save. Like you're paying less interest in the beginning. If you have a 5% interest rate, there's a lot more to, to cut off. Mm -hmm. If you're paying only 2%, the method is going to make a difference for you, but it's not going to be as dramatic as if you were paying five. Right. The other piece of it is this. The line of credit charges interest on the average daily balance. That's kind of what you were getting at. So yeah. as your balance fluctuates throughout the month where, you know, I just put my income in, so the balance is low, but now I just had some expenses. So the balance is higher. It's going to take the average balance, daily balance at the end of the month and charge you interest on that. Mm-hmm. It's also going to be a declining balance, right? Because it's coming down every month by the amount that you make uh, more than you spend every month. Right. And it's simple interest and it's only for a year. So at the end of the year, you will have saved, uh, you will have paid, you know, on that 6% interest rate for $9,000, which over the course of a year had an average daily balance of let's call it half of that 4,500 you're probably incurring $260, $270 in interest for the year. But that $9,000, I mean, even at 2%, so let's cut it in half. So let's just say, you know, those those numbers I gave you were based on 5.15. Right. So let's, let's say we cut that in half and we're at 2.55. So cut the savings in half. So you're, instead of saving $29,000, you are saving... 14,500 at a cost on the line of credit of 260 bucks. Yeah. So it's about the mechanism, compounding, not compounding. It's about the time value of money, interest over the course of 25 years versus interest on the course of one year mm -hmm. and daily interest on the mortgage as opposed to average daily balance on the line of credit. All those factors um, figure in. And like you said, 
the average person has a generally low level understanding of those numbers and those mechanisms. Never been taught. It's not because they're not because they're slow, not because they can't because people watch the video and they get it. The light comes on. They go, OK, I didn't know that. See, now that I have that information. Right. No different than, you know, uh, I watch my daughter play a, a game online and she goes one direction, runs into a wall, falls off a cliff and dies. And the next time she doesn't go that way. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> she goes a different way. I mean, it's not difficult once you've been taught. It's just yeah. a lot of people haven't been taught. Yeah, and, and I assume that a lot of people watch that video and they think, oh, that's a really cool idea, but eh, that means I gotta go change my paychecks to come out of the line of credit and I gotta start using a credit card. I gotta figure out which credit card I wanna use for points. And uh, it just doesn't, if I'm only saving, you know, $1,000 a year or whatever, a couple hundred bucks, I mean, it doesn't really make any sense. But if <laughs> that's that's the thing that, you know, banks, that's what they study. They know that we're not gonna do it. <laughs> you know, they, who, the, you know who the hardest person is to help lose weight? Who? It's the person who says, oh, my God, though, if I lose all that weight, I'll have to buy new clothes. <laughs> it's the truth. It's really difficult to help that person. Yeah, it really is. So it's <laughs> a great point. Uh, you know, we can only help those who want to be helped. Right. So you can show them again. You can take the horse to water. You can't make them drink. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, it's my theory because we don't have any statistics to back this up, but I really believe it's like anything else. You know, people know it's not great for your health to smoke and they still smoke. Yeah. People know, you know, what foods to eat and what not to eat. It's not that we don't know. It's that, you know, the, the, the doing and the talking are different. Uh, so, you know, a lot of people watch the video and love it. What percentage of them actually implement it? Probably the same amount that, you know, lose weight. It's certainly not a lack of education. <laughs> no, the education is there now, right? Like it wasn't yeah. there when I first started. Now we've put it there, that education there. Same with uh, the investing side of things. You know, the education is now there. It wasn't there before, but it's there. You can get it, get at it. But I think what has to happen too for a lot of people, and this is just human nature in my opinion, is people need to get to a place where they've experienced enough pain. Either they've paid enough interest and they're tired of this mortgage that'll never go away, and they want to implement the method or they've had enough, you know, years where 10 years has gone by and they've looked at their investment portfolio and it's gone up by 10%, but you know, 1% a year, 2% a year. Uh, and they're just like, man, you know, the thing I'm never going to get back is that time. I can't afford to keep wasting time. I need something consistent. I need something predictable. Otherwise I'm never going to be able to retire. So we, we sometimes need to have as much pain as possible. Listen, there are changes I made to my own lifestyle only after uh, a blood clot got lodged in my artery, right? So you, you have experiences, you have enough pain, you know, you, you, uh, you make change. So this, this video, what we're teaching people and the, even this broadcast, right? Mm -hmm. This is directed from me anyways, it's directed at the people who it's the right time to hear it. Yeah. And the nice thing about YouTube or it living on Facebook or wherever it's going to live is that, it might hit somebody two years from now when they're actually ready. Right. And so all we can do is put it out there and uh, it's been fun doing that. Yeah. That's amazing, man. And, and good on you because, you know, I had a discussion with you about it, uh, you know, privately and you're not doing it for any benefit. Like it, it's, you've done this all just to, just to put it out there because nobody else did. And so yeah. I'm, I'm thankful for it and, and, and good on you, man. Thank you.
Yeah, it's been fun. I enjoy it. I really do enjoy it. And it has evolved, right? It's taken on a life of its own. But but yeah, there was no uh, there was no master plan. I'd like to take credit and say it was all it was all by design, but mm -hmm. it really wasn't, you know, it's just kind of evolved. I want to want to wind down here because obviously we've been over an hour now. We should be uh, should be wrapping this thing up. But there is one other question and, and we'll give a simple answer on this, whether I can answer it, you can answer it, um, because a lot of people that asked me that I, I pass this on to it. They asked how it's different than velocity banking in the U.S. And are you familiar with that? I hear this term all the time. I can't say I know exactly what velocity banking is because I've never actually looked into it or studied it. Mm -hmm. I judge from the term and from what I've heard that velocity banking is an accelerated way to reduce any debt. And in that way, absolutely, the method is uh, a function of velocity banking. What I can tell you is it's designed by a Canadian, the method, and it's it's mirrored for the Canadian banking system. So I don't know how it measures up. I know there's differences between uh, mortgages in the United States and mortgages in Canada. What you can count or what your audience can count on is that the method was designed by me. I'm Canadian and and it was designed to work on a Canadian mortgage. So that's, uh, you know, and, and it, if you're in the U.S. and velocity works, whatever works, really, I mean, to pay less and get out of those debts uh, faster, that's a good thing for people. You know, the banks have enough money. Yeah, for sure. And that that's what I was going to say as well, because I looked into it as well and, and seen videos on velocity banking. But it, velocity banking doesn't apply in Canada because of the way that it's structured. Um, because, like you said, uh, U.S. mortgages are you're getting an interest rate for for the duration. Whereas in Canada, we have terms, right? You yeah. go and renegotiate your terms every five years or three years, whatever you're doing. So uh, U.S. mortgages are significantly different and there are different structures and, and strategies you can use to pay off U.S. mortgages faster. And this is the only one, as you mentioned, the only one that I found in Canada is the, the version, uh, the, the, the structure um, techniques in order to pay off your mortgage faster. And I mean, in the example that you gave in the... Um, you know, in, in, the, in the YouTube video, which I will post uh, below um, afterwards, you can definitely go and watch it. The example you gave, you know, based on the interest rates at that particular time, you know, you can pay off a 30 year mortgage in 12 and a half years, which is ridiculous. And you don't have to do anything different, anything at all. You're not making any additional payments or anything like you don't have to change anything. It's just to change the way that you hold your money. How you yeah. use your money, your, 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 you know, your financial system, get rid of the checking savings account and use a credit card and a line of credit and your mortgage. And that's it. You just change it slightly and you pay it off. Now, obviously, with our interest rates, they have changed, you know, and there is a bigger spread. But as you said, maybe it's half. Maybe maybe you pay it off in a third of the time as opposed to two thirds. That's amazing. The only paradigm shift you have to have is you have to believe it's possible. And that's, yes. you know, most people don't think it's possible. When you first say it, it sounds crazy. You have to learn the mechanics. Once yes. you understand the mechanics, you realize it's possible. Then it gets exciting, right? Then it becomes something, you know, inspiring and worth, uh, worth chasing. Same thing with, uh, you know, you touched on the fact that we're, you know, we're the only place really you can get this kind of education. Um, I feel the same way about the private mortgage uh, investing side. You know, I, I don't know anywhere else you can get the kind of education you get from us. And if somebody does inquire, we'll we'll hold their hand and, and teach them everything they need to know and then provide the services. So, you know, uh, that's the exciting part about what we do is it's really teaching people and opening their eyes and letting them have that that switch come on that says, wow, like, OK, hey, 
I can get out of this mortgage faster than I thought. That's really inspiring, right? It really, from a financial perspective, really puts people on a different path because they go, okay, wait, if I can do this, then maybe this is possible too. And they start to believe and make different decisions with mm -hmm. their money. Then you get into the investing side and most people have been conditioned to believe they're not smart enough. They're not experienced enough to do it on their own. They can't, they can't get ahead investing wise, like taking big risks. I might lose my whole life savings. I should just give my money to the experts. Mm -hmm. That's not true. You can do this and, and you can do it in a reasonable period of time with a reasonable return. What you need is an education and then some service provide uh, a service provider, right? That's and it. And then make a decision and decisions. Sure. You said decision. It really comes down. It's that simple. Just like anything else, you know, uh, if you want to make a change, you need to make a decision. A decision is, is it's finite. You have you are not going back anymore. Once you made that decision, just go for it. And I mean, how much work is it really to to pay off your mortgage? You know, that much faster. Maybe you got to spend a day making a couple of calls to the bank and your employer, get a direct deposit form, and go do a little bit of research on the best points card for credit cards that has a good grace period. That's it. That's, That's, it. Right. That's all you got to do. There's your there's your checklist. Okay, write it all down right now. And then investing into private mortgages with you. Like how hard is it? You go to their website, you send them an email and you and they send you some education and then you get on a free consultation call, free, and then you help them, you explain it to them within a, you know what I mean? It's not that hard. It's just you got to make that decision. Very simple. Yep. That's it's simple. there. It's all it's there. there. Chris, man, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Like it's, this is actually really cool because I learned a bunch of new stuff, um, which I'm, I'm so glad you're able to answer my questions because I still had a little bit that was preventing me. I wasn't just going to blindly go and change the way I do my banking just because some guy on YouTube said it. Um, I, had to, I had just a couple questions left. And I thank you so much for answering that for me and for anyone else that's going to watch this in the future. Um, and, and yeah, again, thank you so much for coming on. And if anyone wants to reach out to you, has any questions about uh, investments, has any questions, well, not about the math. We're going we're gonna to post the video. But if they yep. want to reach out to you, how do they, how do they find you? Okay, well, um, I mean, they can contact me directly if they want at uh, Chris N at Magnetic Capital Group. Uh, sorry, MagneticCapital.com, um, and I can give you all this, all these details to add to the bottom of the video uh, if you want. And and they can reach out with any kind of question or or comment. There's also a video. It's like it's a two-hour video, but it's a a long video about private mortgage investing that that uh, is a recorded presentation. I could send you a link for that too. You can post that if you want. Um, yeah, that's it. Chris N at magneticcapital.com. Nicely done. So yeah, so that's that. I mean, and um, you know, feel free. The, the company is Magnetic Capital Group. So you can look us up online. You can call and somebody will get back to you for sure uh, if you have inquiries, but we're not hard to find. Just uh, just feel free to reach out if, if it's the, the right time for you or you just want to get in the know and and then uh, have be equipped with the education for another time. Either way. Right on, man. Thank you again. It was great meeting you. And yeah. uh, I'm so glad I uh, finally returned your your message. I think I should maybe check those messages a little more often. <laughs> this was fun. I enjoyed it. Thank you. It was very fun. Enjoy uh, sunny Dominican Republic. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Thanks again. Bye-bye.